Hello. Good. Hello, Kristen. Good morning, Narnia. I'm the Gulf of Mexico. You ready? You ready? Are yep. you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I really do love you. I really do love you. Also, what happened to all of the black pens? There's nothing but Sharpies and crappy old pens in that thing. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter five of The Last Battle. This chapter is called How Help Came to the King. I am the Lady Polly from the dawn of the world, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm a rude bunk. Um... What? I'm a rude bunk. Okay, you are a bed. Yep. <laughs> Got it. Got it. You are a thing, not a person. Cool. All right, we are on the same page now. Yep. <laughs> anyway. So glad we have arrived here together. Today. I'm also known as Chris. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm good. It's you been... seem sleepy. You've got a bed on your mind. I do. I mean, we, we're experiencing some jet lag. Yeah. Uh, our sleep schedule is thrown out of whack. It's been a while since we've recorded, Kristen. We've missed uh, we've missed a couple weeks. Yep, 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 yep. We're just bad at this now. <sighs> we are. That's. I mean, like middle of the of the very final book. That's like the very final, not like the you know the sort very of, final the very book. final book. Middle of the final book. Like weird place to drop the ball on our uh, episode schedule. I think. Yep. But uh, we're back. We're recording. We're gonna finish this. For we, sure. I mean, we were just informed that after this, we have to do fifteen Percy Jackson books. So, like, we got a. <laughs> well, I mean, we got a lot of stuff to get to. We had already said we were going to do the Percy Jackson books. I just I, don't think that we ever committed to doing all fifteen of the extended universe <laughs> of Percy Jackson. Yep. Thank you for the uh, scaring. Thank you for scaring my co-host Andrea. Um, <laughs> Friend of the podcast, Andrea. Yes. Um, As opposed to all of the other Andreas out there. This is not just a generic term for like a person who (laughs) scares you. Is that the new Karen? No, that's just the new person that scares Chris. Yeah. Thanks, Andrea. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, we went on vacation. We did. We had a a good time. Got to relax, recharge. We uh, did. Eat way, way, way too much food. Fall down and hit my head. Yep. Really good times. (laughs) So we're going to recover from that for a while, but we're yeah. back to a recording schedule. Yes. Um, so I feel like that we've covered the banter portion of this podcast yes. now. Yes. So now what do we do next? Uh, we will... Summarize. summarize. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we didn't we, even count that one down. We finally pulled that off. Yes. <laughs> So as Chris and I are reading through the chapters, we select three to five sentences out of the chapters uh, and try to summarize the chapter in its own words. Yep. With that said, I did my summary uh, three weeks ago, I think, and I don't actually remember a whole lot about it. So I'm going to have you do your summary first so I'm a little fresher coming into mine, if that's cool with you. Sure. My summary is in two fun colors because one of my pens ran out of ink halfway through it. Really important for the uh, audience to know that. The listenership to know that. This audio medium. All right. I'm going to go ahead and summarize the chapter now. 
Right. So my summary is as follows. Almost at once there came a bump, and then a second bump, and the two children were standing before him. The wonder of walking beside the creatures from another world made him feel a bit dizzy, but it also made all the old stories seem far more real than they had even seemed than they had ever seemed before. Anything might happen now. Ooh. So while they went on walking, he told them who he was and all the things that had happened to him. I feel this is the best palace that the King of Narnia can now offer to his guests. In this, there is a juice which, when we have rubbed it on our hands and faces, will make us brown as calormates. There's uh, a juice switch? <laughs> yep. What's a juice switch? What well, is her secret power? <laughs> um, she can crush any fruit or vegetable and make juice out of it with her bare hands. Whoa. <sighs> um, anyway, that's my summary. Okay. Uh, appreciate you including that sentence. Anyway. Well, there's a reason, and I'll get I'll circle back around to it, but Okay. We'll circle back to that. Also, next week you can introduce yourself as a juice switch. Yes, I can. I do appreciate you uh, for that. All right, so here is my summary. Almost at once there came a bump, and then a second bump, and two children were standing before him. I'm used to scrub, and this is Jill Pull, said the boy. In that tower, we shall find stores of weapons and mail and some victuals also, though no better than dry biscuit. So we talked and talked, and at last the professor said the only way would be by the magic rings. Aslan did it all for us in his own way, without any rings. Okay, I... I thought about it because, like, that discussion is such a big part of the chapter, but at the same time, I feel like it does nothing for the plot. I I, I, I know it's... I disagree, but I, that's because I've read the book before. Yes, and I know it's foreshadowing, and that's going to come up later, and obviously they're going to use the magic rings to be able to get back into Narnia. Yeah, sure, makes sense. Uh, I feel like in terms of this chapter, that, that doesn't help the summary, but I digress. I feel um, like this chapter was a lot more about the journey... To Narnia than it was about what's happening in Narnia. Yeah, that's true. That's why we summar. That's why we both summarize those, so we have two different perspectives on this. Um. So anyway, what happens in this chapter, Kristen? We start out two well, children. I feel like we both just read summaries in order to answer that question. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we start out with two children, uh, just appearing before the king. Yes. They just show on up. Um very windy today too so if you hear any rattling it's the wind against our windows there will probably be less planes though hopefully with the wind one can hope uh anyway so two children show up before the king just out of nowhere uh, much like the same way he showed up before them uh some time ago only he was a little more ghostly and for him that that was like 15 minutes ago yep and they were like ermagerd let's get you free they cut him down uh he collapses gets himself back up uh and then the kids are just like, oh yeah, so it was you that showed up like a week ago in our house as a ghost. And Tyrion's just like, uh, no, that was like 10 minutes ago. And everybody's just like, well, time is weird. And he goes, oh yes, I do remember that about the stories. Uh-huh. But, but if we speak of time, tis time to be gone from here. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, with a great segue from Tyrion. Indeed, a very, very excellent segue. Uh, yeah, so they cut him down, they take off. Um, they know not where yet, but... Uh, they do kind of, like, cut him free and just let him fall on his own face, though. Yeah. Well, they, they a very great visual gag. It is, in this, uh, not necessarily... I guess it is a visual medium. It's more of, like, an imagination medium. Um, but anyway. It's, it's funny. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Lewis is just like, and he fell on his face. <laughs> so they take off, they run out through the woods... Nobody sees them, catches them, anything. They get away scot-free. Yes, but they do make sure that with uh, Narnian animals following them, the talking beasts and, and the Calarmine military people, that they are going to do an, a significant effort to cover their trail. Yes. Uh, and they do that. Uh, they do the best for that. They do, they do their best at They do if, their best at that? Yeah, I guess so. I can't. I forgot how English works after not doing this podcast. Um, I mean, we all know that we, you and I don't communicate in English usually. It's exclusively hand gestures in our home. Yep. Interpretive dance. That's how we do. Yep. Um, so they get out of danger relatively quickly. And then, er, like, Eustace is just like, well, time for some food, I guess. Because this time they, they almost came prepared. Like, I guess more so than they have previously. Like, they still were surprised by their journey into Narnia, but, like, they were at least planning to go, which yeah. has not really happened before. Yeah, that's so, true. That's I mean, the, the closest true. we've gotten to plan is uh, when they were at Experiment House, and Eustace was just like, well, maybe we can get away into Narnia. Yeah. But this time they were actually actively trying to for a week. So Eustace brought a bunch of sandwiches. There we go. Um, we have two hard-boiled egg sandwiches, two cheese sandwiches, and two with some kind of paste in them. What do you think this paste is? It's not the kind of food they ate in Narnia. It's not the kind of food they ate in Narnia. I don't know. Maybe like a mayonnaise or like a peanut butter or something. Well, like I know like peanut butter Peanut butter even now is like not a thing in Europe at all. And uh, that's why it's in like shows up in the American section of the grocery store. Yeah. So like that, my first thought was peanut butter, but then I was like, no. So I, I really am not sure. It's like what a weird paste would be. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, because like in my head, I was picturing like, I don't know, some kind of like cucumber sandwich or, yeah. you know, when you say it just like paste, I think of something gray. Yeah. And, you know, like a try the gray stuff. It's delicious kind of moment. Some kind of weird post-war thing they ate in England. I mean, yeah. Whatever. So they have that. Um, Tyrion knocks it back. He's starving. And then they uh, tell each other stories, and Tyrion uh, tells them all about who he is and what happened to him. Uh, and we establish relationships, and uh, Tyrion is just like, yeah, well, I think we're going to a certain tower. Uh, it was built a while ago. It should be out of the way. It should have he, supplies in it. And in this chapter, we actually do have a confirmation of how long it's been since Caspian was the ruler. Uh, correct. 200 years? Been over 200 years, so... And then uh, Jill is very frustrated by the passage of time. Yeah. That happens in Arnia. So we establish that. They introduce themselves. Uh, we talk about uh, the professor and Aunt Polly. Oh, hey, look, those are the two older people at the table. We've hey, confirmed that. We have. Um, well, she's not really our aunt, but she's Miss Plummer. And that is Polly, and she's still kicking around. They were in Narnia at the very beginning, which... Which also we have Tyrion know that. Yep. 
Which is interesting that that kind of story has survived. Yeah. Such that Tyrion can know, oh yeah, it was the two of them from the beginning of the world. And yet when we got to Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there are books written about is man a myth on the shelf of Tumnus's house. Because this is like human oral tradition and not necessarily something that the, I don't know. You would think the badgers would remember. Badgers don't forget anything. So well, you would think they'd know about maybe, man. Maybe they did. Yeah. There weren't very many badgers in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Correct. Um, so yeah, this is this is oral tradition that's been passed down for who knows how long. Indeed. I don't think we have like a really good number for like how many years after the creation of Narnia this takes place. But I'm, I'm sure somebody has a, a little internet timeline that tells us more information. Yeah, I'm pretty how, sure I've seen an internet timeline or two. How accurate that is, we don't know. Um, but yeah, we don't have a context here for how long ago the beginning of the world in Narnia was. Yeah. So anyway, they talk about their whole plan that they came up with to get here. So they saw Tyrion appear, and then they're just like, well, obviously somebody is in trouble. Apparently they had gathered even because uh, Diggory was just like, I have a feeling somebody in Narnia needs help. So, was it Diggory or was it Edmund who had gathered them? Uh, no, it says the professor had a feeling that oh, we were somehow oh. wanted over there. Gotcha, the professor. Yep. Um, so he has like some kind of weird sixth Narnia sense that he's just like, my, my Narnia sense is tingling. Somebody over there is in trouble. Yep. Must be frustrating. I wonder how he felt when he uh, when the kids got summoned to Narnia. He was definitely aware somehow. <laughs> sure. Um, and so they're just like, well, the only way there uh, that we know about that we can actually can reliably do is get these magic rings. But they're like buried in the backyard of somebody's house that we lost track of, which seems like a oversight. I mean, um, that is how the book ended. Yes. And the magician's nephew, they buried, they buried them. Yes. But, like, it seems, like, too powerful of an artifact to just, like, leave to chance, and they should have, like, tried to destroy them if they wanted them to be gone. Yes, but that is how the tree grew. Yeah. They planted the rings around the tree from the apple. Yep. And that's what built the wardrobe. Yep. Because magic and stuff. Yeah. So they're just like, well, we need to find these magic rings. They're buried in somebody's back garden now that, you know, we don't know. So we're going to have this elaborate plan where we dress up as construction workers and go dig around in somebody's backyard <laughs> pretend to do plumbing work yeah um get these rings out uh and peter and uh Ed edmund peter and edmund are working on that we Lu also I guess have Lucy's the exclusion of susan yes we have not mentioned susan thus far at all she's not in the group she's not in this story and we are the seven friends of narnia seems very interesting way of like excluding her also yeah what'd susan do i don't know why'd she get uh exiled from this group why indeed susan the shunned um so they've got this whole plan they find the rings finally they get in touch with jill and uh jill and eustace who are heading off somewhere on the train they were trying to stay together with everybody and then boom they didn't need the rings after all yeah so they're they're heading on the train to meet every once they like they're going off to school or whatever yeah. and the professor and polly and eustace and lucy and 
sorry, Edmund and Lucy and Peter are going to meet Eustace and Jill at the train, basically, when they arrive on their way to school. Yeah. Is what it seems like. Correct. So, um, and they're supposed to use the rings. Now, we also have the moment of, like, well, it's got to be the two of us going. Yes. Because Aslan told everybody else that they wouldn't be returning to Narnia except the professor and Polly. They yeah. weren't they weren't told that, but So why they can't come, I don't know. Edmund and Lucy and Peter have all been told that they are not returning to Narnia. Yes. So they're like, we're just not even gonna you know, we're just gonna default send Eustace and Jill. Yeah. Because, you know, they can they can stop a war. Uh yeah, I mean a hostile takeover. The kids Narnia. have done that before. Yeah, but like Eustace and Jill are like I don't know. I, I feel they, like they, Eustace and Jill have done that before. Yeah. They stopped the Green Witch. Yeah, okay, okay. From a hostile takeover yeah. of Narnia. Yeah, they guess, stopped I a guess. war from even happening. I guess that's true. Because I was going to be like, this is like the B squad, but, you know, Puddleglum is not even here to help him out this time. That's true. Puddleglum's not here to help him out. He's probably dead. Is he a long liver? Maybe. I don't know how long marshmallows live. Yeah. Don't I mean, know. there should be more information about him, considering that they're all over Narnia. And yeah, like, and know. they run half the infrastructure of Narnia. <laughs> you would think we would know more. You would. About the noble wiggle. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would think. Um, so the rings, they don't actually need the rings. And Aslan's just like, well, they've put in all this effort. I might as well just bring them through. Because Aslan's a troll sometimes. And yeah, they, like, they, they just, they're on the train. And then they're falling into Narnia without ever even arriving. They didn't even see. So from, from the other side, yeah. we're going to have them arrive at, you know. Yeah arrive at their destination and everybody is going to be like, all right, here's the rings. And they're going to be like, no, nah, we already went. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. We finished it. Aslan just really doesn't want anybody to go through the wood between the worlds again. It really does <laughs> seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah. He will, well, I mean, it was the last time I totally forgot that the rings didn't take you straight yeah. to Narnia. Like, thank you for that. I forgot in, in, entirely. Yep. You got to go to the wood first. And the last time he let humans do that, they uh, brought the, the devil to Narnia. Yeah. And she almost destroyed everything. So that's, I mean, that's true. <laughs> He's just like, yep, nope, not going to not gonna let that happen. They come over. This is the second time anybody's gotten to Narnia via train, though. <laughs> yes, okay. it is. So that's a repeated motif. Though the last time was they were just at the station. They hadn't gotten on the train yet. This was actually on the train. Yeah. They were in the station, not on the train last I time. I thought they were on the train last no, time. Okay. they hadn't. Cool. They hadn't gotten onto the train yet. Got it. Anyway, so then they show up, um, and that's why we're here. Yep. And obviously uh, the other... And the that's o- why we have six sandwiches with us. Yep. <laughs> and they say, yep, the others would have been here if they could, but uh, apparently they were told never to come back because Aslan is a jerk like that, and uh, they didn't come, but they wanted to. Cool. Hey, look, there's a tower over there. So they're going to a tower that's set up at Lantern Waste. Yep. You know, that place. So they end up wandering through the woods. That they, old gem of a place. Yep. To, to watch over Lantern, Lantern Waste. This was built uh, basically as a defense against the uh Was it built against the, the Calamarines? Because the Calamines are to the south. Like, I don't think it says who specifically, but it's built as a defense against the Western Wilds. 
Oh, that's true. It says, I'm going to a certain tower, one of the three of them that were built in my grandsire's time to guard Lantern Waste against certain perilous outlaws who dwelled there in his day. Okay. So, who knows? Perilous outlaws. Cool. The squirrels finally took over. Yeah. They sent they sent Patter Twig off to check and see if the yeah. if the Narnian queen had arrived. Yeah, we never know what happens to him. And he, he never, never returns, back. and he leads these bandits at Lantern Waste, <laughs> watching and waiting for the return of the Lady Susan. Entirely possible. Um, and they show up. Um, we have this weird little sequence where we talk at length about the keys that Tyrion has. Yes, that he managed to not have taken from him when he had his crown removed and his armor removed and all of but that. But he's got this giant key ring. But he does have this giant key <sighs> ring with all of these different keys that seem to match specific doors. Yep. And he takes out this plain one, opens the door of the tower. Uh, they wander in. Uh, it's run down. It's old. Nobody's been here in a very, very long time. Everything's covered in cobwebs. But Tyrion's very happy to see that the kids were raised well. Yep, they don't complain about it. They do not complain about it. They don't comment on it. They just say thank you for offering us this hospitality, basically. Yep. Cool. Uh, and they go in. There's a, a lot of lockers and bundles, and they there are still a lot of supplies in here. So mm-hmm. at least there's that. Uh, and they begin th- searching through stuff. They got some, like, you know, weapons that are still in good shape. They've got mail. They've got some sets of this Calarmine mail, just in case yep. anybody ever needed to spy, apparently. It's important to keep, you know, a potential enemy's supplies in your tower. Yeah, you know, you want to you wanna have outfits of, of the enemy, just in case you need to hop on over and see what's going on behind the Tisrocks lines. Yeah. Which is not on the western border, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, for the maps, though, Calarmine's, like, a big place, and, like, anywhere in Narnia, if you do go directly south, you go into Calarmine at some point, so. Yeah. Um, you just might have to go through Arkenland or over a mountain first. Yeah, that is, that is up here. Let me double check the map in the front of the book for, for what it says about this one. Yeah. So. Yeah, even in, in, in the front map here. We have Arkenland just comp- very much sitting right between Narnia and Calarmine. Yeah, it seems like, to have expanded. Like, because this is this is a coastal view of Narnia. Yeah. This doesn't even have in Lantern Waste. It's somewhere over here. Yeah, but I'd have to get the bigger map out yeah. from my book, but that's in the other room. I have to get the Narnian Atlas that we have. Uh, yeah, laying around. Cool. Anyway, they find this uh, Calarmine male with which to disguise themselves. They also have this special juice, which I mentioned. Uh, in my summary and i mentioned this in the summary because like i think the plan that they are trying to disguise themselves as calermains is important to the plot and i wanted to include a line about that okay and that was the best one i could find yeah it is it is a pretty good one as far as like summing up the idea of disguises without just using jill's one word sentence disguises (laughs) or i love disguises i love the disguises yeah thought about that one anyway he he pulls out this juice that is going to allow them to do um, brown face. Yes, and <laughs> it is absolutely one hundred percent brown face. <laughs> so lets him do that, uh, and then he shows them how to use it because apparently this is a thing that he's familiar with and has done before. Yes, and I write oof in the margin of my book at this point. Yeah, like the the fact that he knows exactly what it is and how to use it implies that he's done this previously. 
and that he has gone and spied into the lands of Calarmine. Yeah, possibly. Or at least heard a very detailed description of it. And look on this stone bottle. In it, there is a juice which one... A juice which... In it, there is a juice which, when we have rubbed it on our hands and face, it will make us brown as calamines. And he describes it very much like henna, where they they have to put this paste on them, leave it on them, and then wash it off, and their skin will be stained, and it will stay washed until they, or it'll stay dark until they wash it with white Narnian ash. But nothing but oil and ashes will make us white Narnians again. Yep. I feel like this is also implying that uh, all Narnians are white. Yes. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's no variation in skin colors in Narnia. Yeah. It does seem that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, granted for a medieval society where there's not a lot of immigration happening makes sense. Like, if you go back to 1400s England, I'm sure you're not going to see a lot of people who aren't white there. I mean, because... I'm sure that you're overestimating that, though. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they dye their skin, they get disguises going, uh, they get some Calarmine weapons, they tie up turbans around their heads. Um, there's no sword light enough for Jill. So she gets a bow. Yeah. Apparently. Yep. She but gets she's a, not very good with a bow, according to her. Well, according to Eustace, no. No. She's, she's been practicing this entire time. She's almost as good as him. So, um... <laughs> This, I mean, this is carrying on our motifs of, like, hey, the boys get the phallic object and the girl gets the ionic object. Mm-hmm. Yep, that shoots <laughs> the phallic objects away from her. Yep. This is this is just a thing. Yep. Um, which, to people that know anything whatsoever about medieval combat, makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. Because, like... The archers were, like, the strongest people in your average army. Yes. Because, like, shooting a longbow was very, very difficult. Yes. So, like, she's like, oh, no, there's no sword light enough that she can swing, but here, take this bow. Yeah. Which requires a great deal more physical strength to use effectively. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's true. As as learned about history as Lewis was, I feel like that's a massive oversight on his part. I mean, also, like... Long bow versus short bow is a very different strength difference, and we're talking about a child, so she doesn't yeah. have a long bow. It would be taller than her. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, my my gripes with historical combat accuracy aside, because um, you know I'm an expert in this. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Of, of of the two of us, Kristen's done uh, considerably more sword fighting. Yes. Let's be clear here. <laughs> I, I have also never personally shot a bow, so I don't know. Really, if you I have. Know. Yeah, yeah, I have. I've what? shot. I've shot several. What what varieties have you have you fired? Uh, I've shot at least one compound bow, uh-huh. and then I've shot a couple of short bows. Okay. Was it physically difficult? Yeah. The the yeah. Uh uh-huh. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, things what we learn about our hosts in our in, in these episodes. <laughs> Um, anyway. Look, it's something you learned about me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, they, they get their disguises and then they bother with getting firewood, which doesn't really make any sense. Um, but they put the disguises together, get firewood, build a fire. Hey, look, we have terrible dinner with dry biscuits that, you know, we threw some water into. Yes, and some wine would not go amiss in some of these towers. 
If only they'd brought a packet of tea. Like they were prepared. They had six sandwiches. They didn't bring any tea though. I don't think that they brought the sandwiches for Tyrion (laughs) because they came from the train. I think those sandwiches were meant to be like their lunch. Yeah, probably. After they arrived on the train. Yeah. It. I don't know. This is the last book, so we don't necessarily get this unless like Peter and Edmund end up coming through via the rings or something like that. But like. Would really like to see what happens if, like, there was a group pulled into Narnia that was actually prepared to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, we're carrying these six suitcases, and these are all our, like, modern weaponry from our world and, like, all this crap. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it'd be much more effective. Um, and they complain about not having beverages, and that's it. Yep. That's cool. the end of the chapter. There we go. That's what happens. Very um, exciting chapter. Which, yeah, which they walk and they talk about, like, they deliver a lot of information that we as the readers already know. Yeah. They have this conversation that doesn't actually reveal anything that we're not aware of other than this story about them trying to get the rings. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's an interesting conversation between characters. We have characters. some clarifications, though. Like, it has been 200 years. We know that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a refresher, though, because... Yeah. It, this book was written after some of the other books were written, and so we needed the refresher about the rings. We needed that tie-in and stuff like that. Yeah. Where it's like, in case you didn't read the prequel yet. Yes. I've got to catch you up. Yeah. Available now from Penguin Literature for nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> <sighs> that was Let in nephew. We, we left that one out. That was in parentheses right here in the middle of the chapter. It's yeah, really well, it's right there. Um. <laughs> read more about Polly and Digger's adventures at... <laughs> We joke about this. He literally has done this before, though. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. he's just like... And he sings the song of Core Thunderfist. Yeah. That's in, a, that's in another story. Wink, wink. Nod, yeah. nod. Which, and this is a story <laughs> which you can read about in. Yeah. Um, cool. I think we covered everything. There's yep. nothing we need to spend more time on, I don't think. Yeah. I think that there is a moment when they say, like, Aslan brought us of his own. We didn't need the rings. And Tyrion replies, but the High King Peter has them. And I think that that's the foreshadowing I really wanted to make sure I included by mentioning the rings. Yeah. Because I feel like there's something really important about that because of the way Tyrion says it. Oh, but the High King Peter has the rings. That could also be just Tyrion being like, but it's not just you two. They're right. Like, let's be real here. It's like, there's more people coming. Like, (laughs) (laughs) please assure me that it's not just you two. Because I can't take back the country with two 10-year-olds. Yes, but he also <laughs> has been thinking about yeah. the story of his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa, yeah. Rillian, who was who was helped by these same two people to bring back, to take back the whole country. Yeah. So. Cool. I feel like that's a, you know, gross underestimation of him. Probably. Yeah. Should we go on to our next segment now? Let's do it. Cool. What do we do in our next segment, Kristen? In the next segment, we read our rewrites. So as we're reading through the chapter, we each select five sentences out of the chapter for a summary. We also select five sentences out of the chapter to try to tell a new story. Creative exercise for the brains, as this may be using different sentences to tell a different story. Correct. Fun time. So you read your summary first. I'm going to read my rewrite first. Go ahead. Don't you believe her, sire, said Eustace. 
They had, in fact, simply appeared from nowhere. He has been dead for over 200 years. I love disguises. Well, then you came in like a ghost or goodness knows what and nearly frightened the lives out of us and vanished without saying a word. Spooky. Yes. We've gotten out of spooky season. You had to include one more. Uh... I had to get another <laughs> spooky. I mean, there's all the ghosts and stuff. Ghosts. That's a fun little tale. Yep. They appeared out of nowhere. Well, it's more about Jill appearing out of nowhere. Like, it's the don't believe her sire. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Like it. Um, we do have a sentence in common that we used. Whoa. So, All right. I'll let you guess which one that is. I'll go ahead and read my oh, summary. Oh, you want me to guess? No. Uh, he's been dead for over 200 years. Yeah, that one. Yes! Apparently so obvious. <laughs> yes! I have a gift for this. You do. You know me too well. Sometimes. All right. Here's my summary. Will you come with me? With a good will, damsel, said Tyrion. This is the horrid part about coming back to Narnia. The times of your strange land is different from ours. He has been dead for over 200 years. So what's the new story you're telling? Um, about uh, Tyrion and, and somebody trying to contact each other and then that person coming back to Narnia and finding out that he's actually been dead for a long, long time. Okay. Cool. Like this... Uh, this contact between ages. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. I was trying to do like a vague little like, uh, you know, time, timey-wimey love story thing like uh, Starless Sea had. Oh, I see. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <sighs> I was just trying to get it done quickly so we could get this done, but. Yeah. Okay. All right. Also, difficult chapter to rewrite. It really is. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of weird little short sentences. Yeah. Cool. Um, so there's that. Uh, should we go ahead and move on to our final segment here? I believe we should. Um, this is, what, what is this one called? Uh, the, <laughs> the, the Final Conflict. Final Conflict. It's the Final Conflict. I thought you had another name for it that we were no, using. No, that's the one I keep trying to use, and you keep trying to make up other ones on the spot. All right. Uh, so in this segment, this is a new one for this book, what we're doing is we're doing random matchups of various characters throughout the entire series. Uh, they they get together in some sort of random, uh, as well, locale, and we talk about who would win in a fight between these two, and with the ultimate goal of determining who the final champion of Narnia is. Okay. So, since it's been a while, would you like to do a quick re- recap of what our battles so far have, have been? Yes, so in round one, we had Lucy versus Trumpkin in the environment number 10, which was uh, something. And the Sweet Waters. Sweet Waters of the world. East. Yeah. And in that uh, conflict, we had Lucy prevail. Uh, then in round two, we had Shasta, Prince Kor, versus Rumble Buffin, uh, which was actually not Rumble Buffin. Uh, it was uh, something weather. Wimbleweather. Yes. Wimbleweather. And that was in environment number 10, the Underdark. Yeah. And we had Shasta being victorious. Yeah. Then in round three, we had Bree uh, yep. versus Eustace. 
Uh, we had Bree versus Eustace and environment number eight, which was the Wiggle Marsh. Okay. And we had Bree victorious because uh, I couldn't talk about horses drowning in the marsh. <laughs> okay. So this is going to be round four. All right. And I have my number generator ready for the first uh, person. Your run, 1 through 24 generator? All right. I've got it up already. Cool. Uh, so I rolled number seven. Number seven, Edmund. All right, Edmund. And number one. Polly. Polly. Edmund Ooh. v. Polly. All right, all right. Ooh, I and uh, for an environment, it's through 10, correct? Yeah. All right, we have, are we repeating environments or doing new environments every time? Because um, I have a repeat for my first roll. Well, in order to build the bracket, I think we have eight random matchups. So we can we can do new environments every time. Okay. So we have environment number three. All right. In the Calarmine Desert. All right. Cool. Um, so, strengths, weaknesses. Uh, we have Edmund versus Polly. We have um, never seen Polly in conflict. We have not, no. And she doesn't even have any, like, fancy magical items or anything that she's been gifted with. Except a um, ring. I think, yeah. She trusted an old man. <laughs> she, she trusted an old man that called her pretty. <laughs> There's that. Um, she's got, like, a little magic ring, uh, which I don't know how helpful it's going to be. She has the ability to not get enchanted by strange bells in post-apocalyptic landscapes. Ah, uh, yes. She does have a female magic resistance. <laughs> yes, she does. Uh, which Edmund, as we know, is weak to. We do know that. Because he was charmed by the witch himself. Uh, so I would say right off the bat, I mean, Polly's got a point in her favor because like, she was able to resist the magic of the exact same witch that uh, charmed Edmund and almost got him to Quite betray, accurate. Betray Actually, didn't even think about that. Yeah. I, I, my knee-jerk reaction was just like, Edmund's going to take it because he's the one with it. Now, it, I would say yes if Polly and Edmund were fighting against a magic user. Yes. But we're not in a magical environment. We're in the desert. We're in the middle of the desert. And we're not in an environment in which Polly would have any advantage to her of this magic. In yeah, I'm struggling to find, figure out how. It's not an intolerance. Resistance. It's magic yeah. resistance. She has magic intolerance. She just, like, she can eat a little bit, but, like, once she has too much, like, she's in the bathroom all day. Yep. Um yeah, I'm trying. I'm struggling to think of how the environment would impact this, and I just don't think it would. Like, there's just nothing about either of them that I think the desert would matter to whatsoever. Yeah. So this one, the environment's not really exciting. Um. Yeah, I mean, Edmund has his little like his sword. He's got his flashlight. We know he's he's got a flashlight going on for all the good that does us. Mm -hmm. Um. Polly has the resistance to magic, but as you said, we have never seen Polly in combat. Uh, in fact, she didn't really do a whole heck of a lot in the first, in, uh, in Magician's Nephew at all, other than, like, pull Diggory out of trouble occasionally. Yeah. Um. She yeah. held on to a horse really well. She did. While it flat flew. Yeah. <laughs> she's got, a, she's got grip strength. Um, yeah, I don't know. And especially, like, if we're considering, like, modern, I mean... You know, even if we jump into modern day, we have Edmund with his, like, 20-something years of king combat experience, and Polly is, uh, you know, an old lady. 
Yep. So, <laughs> I yeah. think there's there's no real argument that we can make. I think that. you wrote your list, though, prior to Polly. Like, you wrote the character yes. list prior to Polly as an old woman being Correct. introduced. Yeah. So, we're going to go with Polly as a child. Yeah. There's just no scenario I can really think of that Polly wins this fight here. I mean, if this was, like, in the Underdark, I would say Polly has an advantage in hiding. Yes. Because Edmund can't even hide in a wardrobe. Uh, but Polly has very successfully found her way through attics into other spaces. Uh, yeah. But that's like it. Like this, in, with this environment, it's like a clear Edmund victory for me. Yeah, like the only angle I can think of is like if Polly makes a really good Turkish delight. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, but what it, how is she just going to summon that up in the middle of the Calamine Desert? Like if this was in a kitchen, in the, in the kitchen in the giant's castle, well, maybe. Well, she does have the magic ring. She can just pop right out, pop over to Earth, grab some Turkish delights, come right back in. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's got the ring that gets her to the wood, wood between, between the, the worlds. worlds yes she's got that one uh and and which she can also gather an arbitrary number of guinea pigs i don't know if that helps or not but <laughs> <laughs> there's probably like an overrunning <laughs> like giggy 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 Gig pig. Pig. there's probably a like the whole wood between the worlds is probably overrun with guinea pigs at this point yeah so that's, that's, every that's once a in a while image. they just fall into a pool and like <laughs> guinea pigs show up on a new world they're like tribbles. Gosh, there's a plague of guinea pigs running through the multiverse. That's yep. a that's a very realistic possibility. Yeah. Like with the time thing, like there's yeah. no there's no predators in the wood between worlds. They uh -huh. got nothing to do but like eat and reproduce. Yep. Wow. And they this just is a fall very realistic. These pools all the time. This is a very while. realistic possibility. Yeah. That like enough of them, like given enough time, guinea pigs just overrun the entire multiverse. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that, that's I much think more. That's the story. We that, should, yeah, that's the story. Like that's much more important. Forget this, this conflict. <laughs> Golly gee, that was that was just a fun discovery that we just made there, yeah, wasn't it? It's a good time. Cool. Um, but yeah, sure. Edmund wins. Huzzah! All he right. moves on. So I believe that should be one side of our bracket completed. Yeah. If cool. we're if we're doing a eight round initial yeah. bracket, yeah. Yep. Cool. We've done it. Would you like to close us out? Indeed. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed Chapter 5 of The Last Battle. Join us next week as we discuss Chapter 6, A Good Night's Work. And if you want to interact with us in the meantime, you can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of... I just looked down at my paper and saw the sentence that said he's been dead for over 200 years. And I was like, of dead Rillian. <laughs> <laughs> of the door to the tomb of King Rillian. Yep. Um, you can send us your fan art of, of the, guinea pigs the overrunning the multiverse. Yep. And if you want to contribute on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast just for funsies. Yeah. Chris? Kristen? You have some sage advice for us? I, I'm working on it. Is there anything else that we say before the sign-off? No. Okay. All right. All right. Well, until next time, don't leave guinea pigs unattended in the multiverse.
And always keep a secret stash of your enemy's clothing. You know, and always leave wine with your dry biscuit. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Duh. Naturally. Bye. Bye. husband won't go with me to the grocery store anymore. Thanks, Andrea. (laughs) Mine's in two different fun colors because one of my pants ran out. Are you still? Yes, I know we have to do a podcast. Sorry, that was my phone reminding me to do a podcast with you. I'm pretty sure it should have been place. No, it is. It is palace. The word is palace. In this, there is a juice switch. There's a juice switch? <laughs> yep. What's a juice switch? What well, is her secret power? Um, she can crush any fruit or vegetable and make juice out of it with her bare hands. Whoa. Uh, and they do that. Uh, they do the best for that. They do. They do the best. They do okay. their best at that. Yeah, I guess so. I can't. I forgot how English works after not doing this podcast. In our next segment, we turn pages. We flip over our notebooks and yeah. probably like an overrunning, <laughs> g- like giggy, g- giggy, 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 giggy,